say that we're recording on the other side of Valentine's Day. Yes. Nigga, we made it. Hey. So all that shit is really kind of fake, <laughs> you know, because basically what ended up happening, now them helium balloons are on the floor. <laughs> And yes. now there are a lot of people really dealing with the fact that they nigga went shit before, after, <laughs> during, nothing. Ain't no amount of roses gonna make up for the fact that, you know, y'all together because it ain't birth control isn't as bountiful as it should be. I mean, look, the conversation on Valentine's night was as dry as the steak that they ordered. Dry. Um, so I love that we did this. I can't worry about any of that. Mm -hmm. What I'm annoyed with is when how Valentine's Day evokes some shit around not just that why you single, but I don't want you, but I don't understand why you not with me though. (laughs) I don't know how to uh, care for you, and I don't have enough money, but. Why don't you want me still? Why? Why are you trying to be happy? Uh, I saw your Instagram, and it looks like you have a whole new life. And um, you see, what about me? What <laughs> you seem real stable and secure with yourself. <laughs> um, and I'm just wondering, like, why? Why you just can't say that you want to come back home? Um, I don't. I don't understand. Um, you seem like you got new dishes and. <laughs> I still got the dishes we have in our home, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, you know, you know I'm what? just gonna delete this. I'm the- just go. You know what? You can still have the Netflix password. <laughs> you just can't have your own profile. You can't, no more. I can't see your name. I There's can't. a Z in it, and you know, it's just too beautiful. And I just don't want to know that you out here watching. You know, Monique goes to prison <laughs> without me. Watching all the Nollywood films, no. minding your no. own goddamn business. Ugh. You know, but it's totally fine. So I'm not going to change the password, though. What I'm going to do is delete your profile because everybody know your name because all <laughs> the smart black people listen to the Black Joy mixtape. <laughs> and that be making people feel real insecure. Yeah. Because there your name is looking all glorious and flying, looking like the king that it and I have to be reminded that I fucked it up. <laughs> and then I have to explain to this person who likes you and listens to the Black Joy mixtape that I actually had this person in my home and I couldn't get my shit together because I ain't shit. So we're talking to y'all Black Joy Jubilee, but this part ain't for y'all. This is a read, my nigga. See, this is the beauty of having your own platform is you get to say and do what the fuck you want to do. And you get to send subliminal messages to the niggas who need a subliminal message sent. All right. Muzzy house shoes. Fuck you. (laughs) We do this every year. I know you listening, sis. Tell them I said that shit. Yeah. Go ahead and report back. Uh, You got red. It sounded like they was talking about you. On the Black Joy mixtape, oh, and you said you was dead, <laughs> Professor Nigga in Texas. <laughs> you know what I'm tired of? The I, I, I've changed <laughs> messages. This ain't a Negro Prove spiritual it, nigga. nigga. Exactly. <laughs> Did you get he baptized? Like <laughs> says who? Anyway, happy love day, bitches. <laughs> This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the King of the South. And you are listening to the, the Black, Black Joy, Joy Mixtape. Hey, what do you do? Ah. Yeah.
time ago, you know, I said they gang go. Them said them no watch me, but never sang go. Enough time I catch them, I use my lango. Yeah, yeah, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Tell these bitches when I come through, sit down. Them girls, they follow me, me not follow them. Them girls, they follow me, me not follow them. Them girls, they follow me, me not follow them. Them are copy while me a set trend. That's my name on the Netflix. I wish a nigga would delete me from Netflix. How you just gonna disrupt my whole queue? You gonna say you can keep the password. But my bitches can't know you here. It's Listen, I got a Netflix and chill coming over and... It's your name and my name on the screen every time I log the fuck in. And that's just hard to explain to this other bitch I'm lying to. That's what reparations is. Yes, pay your reparations. Be upfront about that. You are, yes, you are absolutely providing me with a Netflix. You are absolutely providing me with AT&T coverage. What the fuck you thought? That is what you get from a relationship. That's why I wasted my time for this amount of time. Netflix cell phone some of my rent shit i should get an electric bill off this shit a bus pass something (laughs) you know what i actually love miles i love the secret life of black women who still have like certain passwords or things connected (laughs) from their exes (laughs) because my other friend she she's she still has the the credit card information from her ex on like her Grubhub. So every now and then she sneak a pizza in on this nigga. Like I'm like, that's what justice looks like. Look. Y'all, welcome to the Black Joy Mixtape. Make sure you're using the hashtag Black Joy Mixtape. That's hashtag Black Joy Mixtape. Mm-hmm. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that's just at Black Joy Mixtape. And make sure you share, like, and subscribe, and leave a review for us on iTunes. Please. Love it. If it's less than five stars, just don't even worry about don't it. Don't even waste your time, because we don't give a fuck what you're talking about anyway. <laughs> so, Jasmine, we saw Black Panther this week. You know we did. Oh, man. Oh. It was such an occasion. So much beauty. Also want to take a moment of silence without giving away the plot, but can we just... I just need to talk about my baby, Umbuku, um, Umbaku. Winston. Winston. Duke. Winston Duke. Your baby, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. My man time. is your man. And her man I will and gladly shit. take the late shift, bitch. I will take, I definitely want Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesdays. <laughs> we had it on Wednesdays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want Sunday because I want to cook his favorite meal. I don't want to do nothing. I would love to feed that nigga. I got to. I While go sitting on his morning. lap. He can make me breakfast on Wednesday morning. That's cool. That's yep. cool. So we all have our own arrangements, we our calendars. Yes. I'm going to make his big ass some lasagna. Get on the hashtag <laughs> and claim what day of the week you want with what, Winston Duke. And what would you do? What would be your um, activities <laughs> with Winston Duke on your day of the week? I have Sundays, so <laughs> you bitches can stay off of that day. I definitely have Tuesday. Such yeah. a beautiful movie. It was beautiful. So many beautiful black people. I, you know, I, my eyes were very pleased. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really great, of course. And, you know, there's just things that it left a wide gap open for the lived experience and superhero like powers of 
support black America women. We, we were talking about this yesterday um, in prepping for the show. Yeah, because I noticed that there's only one black American woman in the movie, and it's not necessarily a spoiler to say, like, she don't last long. She don't, yeah. she don't do a whole lot. She don't last long. And then other black American women are pretty invisible in the movie. Yeah, like we hear about a mother that we never see, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of content, of course, around the father. without giving too much away. So one of the things I really loved about the movie is that it did a call and response within the black diaspora, specifically between black folks born in Africa and black folks born in America. And I have personally seen this conversation go horribly wrong when I was in college, Mm -hmm. when we tried to talk about our similarities and differences with students who were from Africa and students who were born in America by like black folks born in Africa calling black Americans lost or lazy. And then black folks returning that by calling uh, folks born in Africa backwards or behind the times, which is all just shit that white people have fed to us anyway, if you ask my black ass. But I appreciate that the movie showed our responsibility to each other because it wasn't just like this narrative that we got from like Marcus Garvey and W.E.B. Du Bois, like black people need to return to the motherland, but also what is the motherland's responsibility to poor black folks in America? Black Panther is definitely this movie that is symbolic of the times we're in and thinking about, well, what are some stereotypes or what are the things that don't serve us as black people globally Mm -hmm. um, that we need to rid ourselves of in order for us to really create something formed by us. Right. And so I think a lot of that work is happening. And also we have to recognize how Wakanda is already here in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, when I, when I was thinking about the symbolism of a Wakanda of a place uh, that white people can't see the value, the beauty, the advances of a place. Like, that reminds me of our neighborhoods that are actively being destroyed just yeah. off the weight that people don't see the value and or beauty and trajectory of those places. Until they want to, so, like, until they want to come in and redirect that. Like, yeah, we well, have that they want to destroy it because they don't see it. They, right. they have better plans or ideas for it. So it's kind of, like, interesting about going deeper into this idea that Wakanda is a third world country that they kept referring to it as. Right. As something that has nothing to offer. But even if Wakanda was there, it still has something to offer the world. Right. You know? This reminds me of like, um, so I went to college in Pittsburgh in this place called The Hill that they referred to as Little Harlem. And black people literally weren't leaving this area of Pittsburgh because they had everything they needed from Mm -hmm. seamstress to butchers um, to music to caretakers, all these things that the city just basically came in and built a stadium on top of. Mm -hmm. And that's what they keep doing in a lot of ways. So um, I'm not necessarily waiting on Wakanda. I'm willing willing to uh, think about more about how Wakanda already exists. And if it already exists, if we already live in places that are Wakandian, what are the things that we need to strengthen and build upon to fully realize our Wakandian nature already or see the value and beauty in the places that we are? Right. As well as how do we strengthen those things globally? How do we create connections with our brothers and sisters and siblings all over the world to continue to pour resources and or think creatively around our economies 
um, so that we can have uh, more shared things. They have a, a commons. So I think uh, we keep talking about the panel that was before where someone described Wakanda as a place that wasn't uh, touched by colonization, but it was touched by capitalism. And I must say I disagree because I really didn't see any exchange of any particular capital in Wakanda. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I did see was people in the commons. And so, or what we were able to see limitly. So when Amber was talking about she wanted to see what the barbershop was hidden for, like, we needed more explanation around Wakanda other than, like, um, this the central part of the resources they had. And I think that's a really white thing to talk about the value of a place solely on the fact that it has something right. versus, like, all the the actual things it has, the beauty, the gifts, um, the talents of the people there. And that's what I mean around, like, we have to reposition the places that we are and or don't necessarily need a movie to tell us that our places aren't seen by white people. Um, and, and while they've been touched by colonization, we have built beautiful things in, in response, have created marvels and beauties um, beyond what they have been able to touch and violate. So mm -hmm. I'm just really excited. And this whole piece around um, creating more things for poor black American women. I think in some ways the movie does. It, there is a potential to address uh, poor black American women. And part of that is pouring more resources into those places, which... Yeah, we hope will happen. Yes. So that's pretty much what we'll try to theme throughout or weave throughout the show today is what this gap that was left open about what does it mean to actually pour resources into our communities, especially those that we know are being led by black women, specifically poor black women. Not some white people, Jasmine, shall we? Yay. <laughs> white people have no self-control. Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> so let's start here. Recently, we received news that the same president who has sent his Secret Service out to grab his ass a Big Mac on command in the middle of the night, which I'm not going to lie, is something I would totally do with that type of power, is also trying to spend millions to replace the refrigerators on Air Force One, wants to further limit the food choices of 42 million Americans who access benefits through the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, also known as food stamps. So when 45's Klan, I mean administration, released the proposed budget, we knew that SNAP was on the cutting block. Unfortunately, this has been the case for nearly every administration, regardless of party affiliation. So 45's budget proposed a 27.4% cut to SNAP and 20.1% cut to Section 8 housing. Yes, housing. Um, so here's the plan, according to Vox News, that we got a hold of. Rather than folks getting all of their benefits to spend on groceries, SNAP recipients who receive more than $90 a month in benefits will also get a package of food that includes shelf-stable milk, juice, cereals, pasta, peanut butter, canned meat, 
and canned fruits and vegetables, which confuses me as to why they are calling this a harvest box, considering nothing in the box will actually come from a recent harvest. So true to Trump's um, practices, he didn't complete the full homework assignment because the details on how this will actually be implemented are to be determined. But what we know, however, and this is probably the worst part of this proposed plan, is that it will be left up to the states on how the boxes will be distributed. If this happens, this will be an additional burden on states as well as leave a critical service up to partisan political manipulation like what we continue to see with the implementation of Obamacare as Republicans also aim to cut $215 billion from health care spending that will leave an additional 20 million Americans without health insurance by 2026. And make no mistakes, baby, Food stamp slash SNAP is absolutely a critical service, considering it also ensures that 20 million children receive food. So, Jasmine, um, we've talked about this a little bit, too, about this replacing of SNAP um, and taking away people's ability to choose, but also replacing it with this harvest box. Mm -hmm. So um, given your work and, and life in the rural South, what does this policy get wrong and right about providing food to families? Okay. Um, so one place that I would like to start is uh, just a reminder that this budget is proposed. Uh, so Congress still has to review it and take up the process from there. Right. Like basically figure out what will be implemented if it's passed. Right. And what they're not going to let get through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that this is not happening yet. Um, the second thing, and I think it's the most important piece, is that they are about to cut people's benefits to give people this box. Right. So I think that's also a little piece. They're trying to make it, they're trying to create this illusion in some ways that <laughs> this box will be able to uh, supplement people's food access uh, with their stamps. Yeah. But we already know that what they're talking about putting in the box is what people are receiving from the uh, the WIC program, which right. is what the women... Women, infants, and children program. Yeah. And stuff that people honestly go to food pantries to receive, exactly. right? Canned milk, canned, all this canned dry shit, stuff. dry shit that you can't put in no potato salad. Right. And so his officials are saying that this would be like a blue apron service. Which we might also add cost about $200 a month. Number one. Number two, they deliver you a box every week. Mm-hmm. And so not only that, Blue Apron also has fresh ingredients. Right. So <laughs> it's not Blue Apron. No, not but at least bit. what it does do, if this person is saying this is like Blue Apron, what Congress would have to do, specifically Democrats who claim to be on our side or who claim to... I don't know what they do, child. But <laughs> I don't know I say, her. <laughs> I say meet the president where he is. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be like Blue Apron, then let's think about uh, CSA, so Community Supported Agriculture. For the folks who are familiar with this, it's a particular program that happens in a lot of 
places with access. Um, so pretty much what people do is on the front end, they pay a fee um, for a farmer's harvest. And pretty much what they're paying to do is have the farmer to deliver their harvest once they um, process and do all the things they need to do with the agriculture for that particular week, for that particular month. Now, if we were to imagine a blue apron slash CSA government um, assisted program, what would have to happen is if we think about Blue Apron, who does also get their food from local farmers, right? Yeah. And if we think about the CSA, what would it look like for the government to help supplement a program where local black farmers, a local farmers, period, in these rural communities um, got money for their products to then do a program to deliver that to SNAP beneficiaries mm -hmm. without them having to compromise their budget. This would be in addition to. Right. So the reason why I bring this up is because that would be a way for the government to build on the programs that they have been doing since 2008. So you think about the farm bill. So the farm bill is this thing that happens every five years. This is actually where SNAP is, is housed. A lot of our food programs, a lot of our food policy is held in the Farm Bill. Now, <laughs> the Farm Bill is not a sexy document, but I assure you it's something that we all have to pay attention to because if we want to know what are the programs or how farmers, specifically if we think about the history of land loss in this country, the Farm Bill has been where a lot of that has been regained. So to go back even further, this brings me to the Pickford case. So I don't know if y'all know, but the Pickford case was essentially the case that gave payouts to black farmers who was discriminated by USDA. Okay. So the USDA had to do a payout. Now, originally there were 400 plaintiffs on this. But that eventually grew to 80,000. So in 2008 and then moving into 2012 Farm Bill, there was an expansion of how many payouts that they were going to do. So that uh, expanded to $1.2 billion. Obama got $1.2 billion for black farmers who were discriminated against. What that looked like was farmers, there was like a credit program with USDA Black farmers were intentionally told the wrong information. Mm -hmm. They weren't given appropriate uh, information. Which and impeded so, on their ability to, like, grow food and to make money off their, their land. Exactly. Okay. There were a lot of cooperatives, kind of like Fannie Lou Hamer's, who needed the USDA's assistance mm -hmm. to maintain their land. So there are a lot, the USDA, what they do is they create a lot of programs to make sure that farmers can sustain themselves. Because farming is a really hard job because a lot of it has to do with the weather. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a drought, if there's too much rain, et cetera, et cetera, it, there are different insurance programs. There are a lot of different credit programs that make sure that farmers don't go under in those times. Mm -hmm. That um, was taken away from black farmers. So over time, especially in the 20th century, we're talking about millions of acres owned by black people 
that were lost during that time because of this routine discrimination. Mm -hmm. So what people don't usually talk about, so the Pickford case happens, the payout happens under Obama, right? Even though the case is waged in 1997. So in addition to that, <laughs> there were a lot of programs created because you can't just pay a bunch of people and not create like the infrastructure of people who were routinely discriminated against. That means that they don't have processing. That means they don't have distribution. That means they don't have the proper equipment to plant and harvest their goods. Mm -hmm. So this is where I came in <laughs> mm -hmm. during this time period where I did a lot of work around food with a lot of people. And so one of the things that could happen or an expansion of the work that happened um, the Farm Bill was supposed to, or what it does, or what it was doing, was building robust connections between farms and institutions. And they were investing in local food system development. So the 2008 and 2013 Farm Bills authorized um, a lot of programs to build new opportunities in local and regional foods. Now, what does this have to do with SNAP, right? All mm -hmm. this explanation, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> USDA expanded access to healthy foods uh, in underserved communities by making EBT available at farmers markets. Mm -hmm. So SNAP, which is also under the Farm Bill, they allowed for SNAP redemptions at farmers markets nationwide. So it rose from $4 million in 2009 to $21 million by 2013. Mm -hmm. We're talking about four years, seven times growth. Like, people could spend their money at farmers markets because they created the programs, one, where farmers could accept SNAP benefits. Mm -hmm. They also created um, the technology for people to accept these ele electronic cash. So when you are talking about creating opportunities for people to not only spend SNAP money, you're also creating opportunities for local farmers to make money. Mm -hmm. Farmers who have been routinely discriminated against mm -hmm. in these low-resource areas. So when you're talking about cutting SNAP, you're also talking about cutting the ability for black farmers or specifically rural farmers to make money, specifically the farmers that aren't large corporations. Working, like, to make potatoes for McDonald's french fries. Yes. Ruining the land and shit. Using a lot of pesticides. Right. Using a lot of unhealthy practices. Mm -hmm. So mainly, <laughs> what this program currently does wrong is that it's making, um, it's calling itself a harvest box, and not a single harvest is in there. Thank you, Amber, for pointing that out. Mm -hmm. But what it could get right is... <laughs> Continuing the infrastructure work that's already been laid by the two prior farm bills. Right. And we're in a year where the farm bill is under discussion now. So there's supposed to be one in 2018. So it happens every five years. So I said 2008, 2013, 2018. And so <laughs> if he is calling it the blue apron, let's make it a blue apron. Right. We've already set up a lot of the groundwork for a lot of farmers 
to accept SNAP benefits. Mm -hmm. So if we continue to build that infrastructure, we could definitely create programs where this food is delivered to rural communities who already suffer from having a lot of food deserts. Right. And I really don't like the word desert because desert is alive. Deserts are alive. They have a particular ecosystem. This is food gentrification. When grocery stores do not exist in rural communities, when SNAP beneficiaries don't have places to get fresh, healthy foods, that is a systemic issue and is on our government to address. Yeah. And for those of us who are living in places like D.C. or Columbus, Ohio, this also matters for you because even in these big cities, there are still food deserts. Mm -hmm. There are food um, gentrification is happening. Food genocide is happening. Food genocide. Where people don't have, literally don't have access to grocery stores nearby. So I think that, again, we have this thing with Trump and why we need Democrats to look alive is because this could be something that, one, would help with food deserts because you would have delivery. Um, two, it would have to happen at a more regular um, pace and not just at the end of the month. Because what we also know for people living to pay paycheck to pay paycheck is that I don't know about y'all but there there were times where like literally we just had enough food to get to my mm -hmm. mother's payday mm -hmm. or to get to my mother's food stamp um drop off so that that means a lot when we also know our um our U.S. Postal Service, which I assume is what they're going to use, is shit. And, like, what yeah. happens when a delivery is missed? What happens when folks already don't have enough food um, in these certain areas? But I think what I'm also trying to say is the we wouldn't have to figure that out. If they allocate enough money in the farm bill, the USDA could potentially create a pot of money for states the, right. to figure out how they would distribute this fresh food. They right. have done it. They've been doing it for the last 10 years right. where they have rolled out or these uh, smaller programs like I was a part of to create systems to figure it out, right. to figure out how people can get their money or create how people can get their food and how to create incentives around people expanding they're SNAP. So, right. like, when I'm talking about around farmer's markets, they were literally funding programs that allowed for people to potentially double their SNAP benefits if they went to a farmer's market. Right. So, like, it, it's a great time to be creative. It's right. a great time. Um, and I, what, I think what I don't want to get in the habit of is constantly talking about how this person is lying. You know, like, or what What this person, when I'm saying this person, I'm talking about this president. Um, if if he talking about it's the blue apron, <laughs> make uh, him, snap, yeah. make it blue apron. Because right. we have all these different structures that already exist. People have already started to figure these things out. Right. And if we just keep on building this, all this infrastructure around processing, around distribution, local food systems and rural communities, uh, connecting rural with urban, and then just knock that down. It's really ridiculous. Because right. <laughs> what we know is SNAP has always been a place for innovation anyway, because yeah. that's why we've moved away from the food stamp system to the electronic money so that people can access these resources. So, again, this okay. is a matter of expanding um, folks' access to a simple necessity 
called food. If you think about this in context of what the rest of the budget is proposing, um, specifically, we're talking about fresh food. A lot of us will not have access to it anyway, especially if the White House gets their way here. The White House is seeking to cut more than $2.5 billion from the annual budget of the Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA. The administration's plan would cut several dozen programs all together, among them assistance to fund water system improvements along the U.S.-Mexico border and partnerships to monitor and restore water quality in the Gulf of Mexico, um, Puget Sound and other large bodies of water, funding for the restoration of the the of the Chesapeake Bay would fall from $72 million to $7 million, and a similar program for the Great Lakes would be cut from $300 million to $30 million, although neither would be wiped out. But according to The Guardian, people of color are still more likely to suffer from harmful air pollution than white people across the U.S., and this disparity has barely improved in recent years despite improvements in overall air quality typically found in communities of color and low-income communities. Industrial polluters such as landfills, trash incinerations, coal plants, and toxic waste dumps affect the well-being of residents who rely on groundwater from community wells that are often contaminated. A 2017 study in environmental health perspectives found that the average exposure to nitrogen dioxide for all races and income levels dropped from 2000 to 2010. You know, back when people were listening to Al Gore a little bit and Obama finally was able to convince us that climate change existed. <laughs> but despite the decrease, people of color had higher levels of nitrogen dioxide in their air, so much so that if people of color breathed in the same levels of nitrogen dioxide as white people in 2010, it could have resulted in 5,000 less premature deaths from heart disease. Running ain't going to get it. This progress will be quickly reversed, though. According to The Hill, a study conducted by the Environmental Integrity Project found that the amount of civil penalties charged to polluters by the Environmental Protection Agency dropped by 49% compared to in President Obama's first year. Looking specifically, the study found that the Trump EPA collected $30 million compared to $71 million and $50 million in penalties under the Obama and George W. Bush administrations, respectively. Which, under both administrations, Bush and Obama, failed to adequately measure or penalize the air emissions of farms. In 2016, in Climate News reported that the agency fails to adequately measure potentially toxic air emissions from factory farms, which allows livestock operations to generate air pollution without government oversight for more than a decade. Runoff from factory farms containing a wide range of pathogens, antibiotics, and other toxic chemicals that contaminate surrounding groundwater sources and wells and communities of color. As if these folks aren't impacted enough, Trump's budget continues to cut access to our health care and even health care workforce programs, which would help medical students 
fund their education and give communities access to doctors in places there typically wouldn't be, usually rural communities with this contaminated water. So, Amber, Mm -hmm. why is it important for us to talk about environmental justice for people of color? Well, specifically why it's important for us as two black women on a mic called the Black Joy Mixtape (laughs) is because nobody else is. Um, If you look at a lot of our national organizations that focus on environmental justice or trying to change people's eating habits like PETA or even Sierra Club, you'll find that they directly are not doing enough to target communities of color. Mm -hmm. What we know since the beginning of time, black people have been victims of environmental injustice, whether it's the stealing of land, whether it's poison water, or literally toxic corporate waste, like waste from factories being dropped in our communities. Yeah, it will it will save more black people. (laughs) Like (laughs) if we connect the dots for communities of color, like it's not just about climate change, but literally in real time, our communities are being poisoned. We see this with how we have more access to McDonald's and check cashers than we have to fresh foods or, you know, Wealth distribution. I don't know, like any of these things. Yeah, and it's just like creating more isolation between these agencies. So we're talking about cutting SNAP (laughs) when there is the potential for USDA and the EPA to be working together to create a harvest box that doesn't, that feeds our communities and does it in a way that doesn't poison them. Right, with shelf stable (laughs) shit in it. (laughs) Right. Fucking propaganda ass harvest box. Like, make it a harvest box. Make it a harvest box. And so we're talking about the expansion of resources Mm -hmm. rather than talking about limiting or punishing people just because they're poor. That's not how this shit works. Right. And not only that, even if we did create that type of program, we don't have an EPA to monitor what's the water quality in places so that the food is healthy, actually healthy for people. Mm-hmm. So, like, instead they, of building this trash ass narrative that black people don't know how to uh, feed ourselves, that we're um, soul food is killing us and shit, or it is fraudulent. Like, yeah. everybody keeps creating this policy or all these policies, but under this notion that black and brown and indigenous people are somehow frauds. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case. We are just trying to eat. Yeah. We're just trying to get good air quality. We're just trying to get good, clean water. Mm-hmm. We know y'all are actually the frauds. Right. Y'all have y'all taken keep... the access to this shit. <laughs> y'all would rather spend <laughs> more money on drug testing, SNAP recipients right. who keep proving to y'all over and over in states like Florida and West Virginia that that's just not true. Mm-hmm. That they are not taking their money from the government and using drugs. It's just not happening. It's y'all that are on drugs. Yes. I need a drug test from uh, Donald J. Trump. Yes. I need one from the legislators. You know what? I need, run me that. Like, I know all of Marion Barry's business. Right. But y'all keep acting like we don't know what the fuck 45 Mm. is doing, 9 is doing. And then while he's also creating all these narratives around why we don't deserve basic human rights. Right. You deserve, and when they are talking about poor folks not having the right to access all their food, they talking about you, my G. Yeah. 
Because all, I, that's another thing that has been fascinating to me, too, is how we have really left behind the welfare queen mm-hmm. and continue to everybody has shitted on this person. Right. This person who is using food stamps to get food that actually tastes good or have access to different shit. When in actuality, this is a policy that will hurt all of us, whether or not you're on SNAP or not. Mm-hmm. When we don't acknowledge the creativity and the resilience of our Wakanda like ass communities, we tend we are setting up folks like Donald and the um, Republicans to reshape the narrative about our communities as a whole. One thing that the Republicans are constantly doing is building the most dangerous of their policies off of negative stereotypes around black women. That's why we need to fight that shit at every single turn. No, trust black women. No, pay black women. No, give black women and their children access to the foods, fruits and vegetables and air quality that they deserve because if their water is poison, it's only a matter of time, y'all. Right. And so when we're talking about representation and how important it is for black people to be seen in movies, it's important to think about, well, who was left out, even though I'm feeling real good? Right. If you don't include us in the, the, the narratives of superheroes, poor black women do not become human enough to deserve right. quality food. They do not become considered good enough for quality air. And what does that mean for our families? Right. What does that mean for our children? Mm-hmm. And there's a comic that's kind of, yeah, Raising Dion. Yes, Raising Dion. So uh, the the single black mom who's raising a superhero uh, that's coming to Netflix, even though Netflix fucking up, <laughs> called Raising Dion. She better Dion. be getting more than a half a million, <laughs> goddamn, since superhero movies is popping. Yeah, this short film called Raising Dion is coming out. This sci-fi yeah. and like so, she's been fundraising around that for a long time. We really need more of those narratives. Right. We have to be included. We have to expand what we want to see because it does definitely impact black futures. Definitely. Like, really, these films, and it's so important, like, Wakanda is so important about us being able to think of possibility because it does help us situate ourselves in a tangible imagination around a tangible thing that shows us a black future. (laughs) That brings us to black feminists on film. Black feminists on film. On film. (laughs) Some of y'all might remember black feminists on films that, as an old segment we have done on volume one that pretty much pays homage to one of our favorite shows in living color and now public access presents men on films hello i'm blaine edwards and i'm antoine merriweather and welcome to men on films we're going to be reviewing the latest film from a male point of view this segment is amazing it's so funny like two um snaps and z formation (laughs) Mm. Yes, I loved it. So today we're dusting it off for you all because recently Jasmine and I, we low-key showed our ass, but we'll tell y'all that that later. So recently Jasmine and I had the pleasure of going to an early screening of season two of the YouTube web series Giants, created and starring James Bland. Most people think of birthdays as a time to have a big celebration, but... What if you took your birthday as an opportunity to truly ask yourself, where is it that I'd like to see myself over the coming year? So where do you see yourself? Malachi. I ain't felt it good in a minute. Yo. Rise and grind, 
I got three clients for you to service today. My dick is wild. I was with somebody last night and wouldn't get up. There's some Viagra in the cabinet. If I want a limp dick motherfucker, I gotta stay at the cork. Journey crash here? I don't know, Kai. Where is she gonna sleep? She can crash on the couch. I sleep in the bed with you. Giants is a coming of adulthood drama series that follows the lives of three black millennials, each battling their own inner giants. And as they as they approach each battling their own inner giants as they approach 830. What's up, Jasmine? Hey. <laughs> um, and what I love most about the series is that it high is highlighting how folks in their 20s are navigating very real and heavy issues like coming to terms with living in the fullness of our sexualities as we break away from traditional dating practices and honestly only having desires for the opposite sex, um, as well as depression and mental health at large with no access or little access to resources like stable employment and health care. So the reason why I laughed also while we were talking about this is because we did show our ass in this screening. Because for those of you who have watched Giants, one, everybody on film is fine as fine. Fine. And they brought out all of fine ass fucking DC as well to see the shit. James Bland, CJ Faison. Then we got Lamar Dupree of In Crowd DC. Yeah. We got all these Rattlers, mm-hmm. also known as Fam You. What's alumni. up? Let me just tell you, just beautiful people all around. And let me just say, Episode one is so good, (laughs) and we have to do so much around normalizing queerness in our communities, Um, regardless if people actually identify as queer or not. Yes. So, like, some of us are just having queer sex. Yeah, and and it's okay, beloved. (laughs) And so even when Quincy Jones is just out here outing people, now it's messed up, don't get me wrong. But we kind of need it. But we also kind of need to know that Richard Pryor, the person who has inspired some of your favorite homophobic comedians. Say so was out here having queer sex and his his wife his widow wife would say yeah totally like if you ask Richard about it he'd tell you about it child. and I think black people <laughs> have such a hard time with that shit because we want like one when you out here living your best life your freest best life I just feel like it's easy for your desires to expand mm-hmm. because why not? Like, mm-hmm. why are we? We were just talking about Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. Like, this idea, this script that they have given us, we talked about this on the last episode, that somehow we're supposed to fit in to this script that was literally written before us and without us about what happiness and love and life and community looks mm-hmm. like. And it's just not real. And that's what I love about Giants mm-hmm. because we're seeing these people grapple with that. Yep. As much as we're starting to see more representation of black people, we're also getting more representation about what our lives can look like. Mm-hmm. And that's also going to trickle into who you find desirable and who you actually want to build community with long term yeah and the giants are usually constructed for us right we're battling giants that had nothing to do with us this stigma this shame for our lived experiences from scripts that were created to oppress us for generations right and so i am so glad to see 
um, Giants happening. James Bland is definitely challenging masculinity, definitely doing a lot of things with this piece of work. I'm not even sure if he totally grasped all the things no. that he's doing, but I do uh, totally know that uh, it's on uh, Issa Rae's channel on YouTube. Yes. The premiere is on February 21st, so by the time this airs, it will be out. Y'all yes. should definitely watch it. And catch up on season one. Definitely. And also, just really be inspired to create right now. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm walking away from both Black Panther, watching and seeing Giants this week, all in the same week is just because somebody didn't represent something doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to add to it or to be inspired by it. Mm -hmm. So, and that just makes me really excited. I can't wait to see the content and the the things that black people will create during these ridiculous times that we're in. Absolutely. That is a perfect segue into Black Women the Gods. Um, which we are so excited about Black Women the Gods this week because Yay. it features one of our fans. The Sonia Renee Taylor has a book that just came out, y'all. Wow. So Sonia Renee's book is called The Body Is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love, and you can get it wherever books are sold. Also hop on Amazon.com. And pop it off there so that we can get our sis all the high ranking numbers because the cover alone is a reason for this to be a New York Times bestseller. This cover has just really put us in another age. Yeah. I am really excited that we are here. I want to recreate this cover. I think I might. Can we get someone to design um, the graphics for the filter so we can all just put ourselves in the collage? Like a Facebook uh, profile update type of thing? Yeah, something like that. Yes, just a floral background Mm -hmm. and just put a little, give me a little flower to put over my flower. Yes. Yes. I feel like we all should be involved in the This Body Is Not An Apology challenge yeah and we all just create <laughs> versions of this yes. okay so to give y'all a little background on the author Sonia Renee Taylor one she she has this I was introduced to her through her poem what women deserve yes women do deserve better women deserve better than public transportation rhetoric from the same people who won't give that teenage mother a ride to the next transit won't let you talk to their kids about safer sex have never had to listen as the door slams behind the man who adamantly says that shit ain't his leaving her to wonder how she'll raise this kid women deserve better than the 300 dollars tanf and afdc will provide that family of three or the six dollar an hour job at kfc with no benefits for her new baby or the college degree she may never see because you can't have infants at the university please go to youtube and watch it y'all it It's the poem, honestly, that led me to reproductive justice. Mm. Um, My best friend has sent it to me when we were in college. And this is long before Sonia Renee, like, became one of my homies. Because we also sit on the sister song board together. And she's just such a light. Like, she's so honest. She's so real. She so um, highlights healing and what um, she's a big advocate of making sure that our... um, our justice spaces, our movement spaces are also spaces for people with disabilities and people who are differently able. Um, and she's just doing God's work around radical self-love. Word. like, And, you know, also Wakandan. 
Just out here she with this a- bald head, this plus size body, brown skin. Yes, skin you know, on fucking fleek. This is what we fleek. deserve. And also, we just out here just... <laughs> What, what's an apology? I don't know what that is. I don't is. know what that is. This body is abundant, baby. And so uh, just that that type of radical art, this 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 radical work, I am really excited to get into. Yeah. Um, also, honorary mention, shout out to Taja Lindley, who is celebrating the anniversary of uh, This Ain't a Eulogy, The Bag Lady. Yes. And turned a year this week. Yes. I also so. ordered her book. Uh-huh. And Taja, we've mentioned Taja before because she is also one part of Color Girl Hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and they be rapping. So, yes, shout out to... Uh, RJ fam. Yeah, uh, Specifically, reproductive justice. I know some of y'all think we're saying racial justice. So, yeah. God love them. See, black people create. I think so many times we pause our creation practices to focus on... The work. The, the work in the <laughs> world. But we are the work in the world. We're, yeah. A lot of us are doing this to heal our damn selves. Sonia Renee is also definitely going to be going on tour and is highly recommended. The first time I ever saw her perform, I was a mess. I was literally in tears. So you can view her tour dates on SoniaReneeTaylor.com backspace events. And I'm going to spell that out for you. It's S-O-N-Y-A-R-E-N-E-E-T-A. Y-L-O-R dot com backslash events. And for you DMV folks, she will be at Red Emma's Bookstore Coffee House in Baltimore, Maryland on March 4th. And we will also be in the building to see her at Busboys and Poets in Washington, D.C. on March 5th. And might even swing over to Split This Rock on March 7th to hear her speak as well about her amazing book and get get my copy signed, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have to go to the March 7th one. I won't be here. Oh, where are you going? Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're going to San Fran. San Francisco. So, yeah. I can't wait to just thank Sonya for this and, you know, be inspired once again. The Body is Not Apology Challenge. Mm-hmm. Wait till y'all see that cover. It's very beautiful. So shout out to the fam bam. Okay, Jasmine, that's our show. Y'all make sure you follow along on the hashtag Black Joy Mixtape. Are we going to hope for Black Futures? Yes, absolutely. Uh, what is your hope for Black Futures, Jasmine? My hope for Black Futures is that we keep creating visual representations of Black Futures. Just keep dreaming. Keep innovating around the technology. Keep innovating around what we want these narratives to be. And continue to expand on the reality of who our people are as well as what our people will become. Yes. My hope for Black Futures is for more Black people and even myself to just keep creating and to find glory in your voice and telling your story just as it is. I want to see more novels. I want to see web series. I want to see just all of it in honor of who we actually are, not who we think we have to be in order to appease white people and how they see us. So, yeah. And Jasmine, where can they find you online? Y'all can find me at Jazz on Your Mind on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Awesome. And I'm just Amber J. Phillips on Twitter, Instagram, and you can follow me on Facebook. Again, a special shout out to our engineer and sound person, Morgan Givens. Optimus Mo. Optimus Mo. He still need a pair of them phone posits, homies. And make sure y'all check out everything, all the amazing stuff that he's working on. You can make sure that we can give more 
organ a pair of those phone pauses by donating to paypal.me backslash blackjoy. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BlackJoyMixtape. Be sure you use the hashtag BlackJoyMixtape. And please do not forget to use the hashtag Podden when you're listening, I reckon. Podden. P-O-D-I-N. Yes. Okay. Well, that's our show, y'all. This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz the King of the South. And you just listened to the, the Black Joy Mixtape. Hey, what it do? I never want to end the show when it's time to end the show. <laughs> right.